turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to look at verses, I believe we'll start verse 7 uh, down through that chap- the rest of that chapter. Because I want to talk to you way, in a supernatural way, actually, when you receive a word from the Lord, what does it mean? And, and how do we obviously go about uh, working and partnering with God in what he's saying. What is it? What happens when that takes place? In verse 7 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age knew it, before they had not, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I had not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of man which is in him? Likewise, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, so that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. These things also we proclaim, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is not judged by anyone. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. The wonderful thing and blessing is, is that we have the mind of Christ. Now I want to talk to you today. There is a pattern here, I believe, when you first are, are listening to the Lord and and, and listening and reading the Word of God. The Logos word, part of the Word is actually the written Word, and, and when you read the Word of God, is that these things obviously, they, they obviously change our lives. But there is also not just the Logos Word of God, but there is the Rema Word of God. There is the revelation of the Word of God. Let me give you an example. When you first got saved, you're saved. And when you first heard the Word of God, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word, which is the Rema Word of God. You heard the Word, and you obviously were convicted in your heart that you were a sinner, and that you needed God's saving power in your life, and that power of Jesus in your life to forgive you. And you knew in your heart that Jesus went to Calvary, died on a cross, and arose on the third day. And so all these things, the Bible says, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. 
So when you came to the Lord, you didn't just necessarily say, well, this is some kind of a good idea, and I know I've done wrong. And so intellectually, you say, uh, yeah, I, I, I've done wrong, and uh, I, I kind of need forgiveness. Now, you begin maybe there, but eventually it comes to a point where there is revelation that you know that Jesus Christ came to save the world from their sins. It's a revealing, the word revelation, a revealing. Had they, God revealed it to your hearts. And so that is the Rema word of God. It's R-H-E-M-A. That is when God reveals that to your heart. And you know that you know that you know that you've accepted Jesus Christ in your life. There are many Christians today that they've kind of, they've come to church and, you know, and so forth. And, and they believe and say, yeah, that sounds like a, a a good message there and so forth. And I kind of go along with it and all, but they've never maybe really had a revelation, a revealing of who Jesus Christ is to them personally. And, and, and they realize that they were sinners and they are in need of God's forgiveness. And so when that happens in your heart, you know that Jesus Christ is Lord and He is worthy. And he is worthy of all of our honor and our respect and all glory. You know down your heart that if you had been the only sinner in this world, that Jesus Christ would have still gone to Calvary for you. He loves us that much. And because we cannot stand when we die, we go into the presence of God. A holy God, we cannot stand in his presence, obviously, in this old nature. And so he comes and he puts his spirit within us and that is the time that we're born again. We're born again, not again in the body, but in our spirit. The Holy Spirit of God comes and dwells within our spirit, and we're born again. And it's a revelation. It's deeper than just sort of going, kind of going along with it intellectually. I know that I know that I know. And the question is today, do you know you're going to heaven? Are you sure? that you're going to heaven. Let me tell you today, God does not want us uncertain about whether or not when we die of where we're going to go. He does not, obviously, uh, somehow uh, go in the area of doubt. He comes and gives us the certainty that we are saved. And when we take our last breath, that we'll go into the presence of God. Do you know that today? You see, God is always there knocking, and he's ready to come in. But many times, because of our pride, we say, you know, I, I had not been that bad. I haven't been bad as my neighbor or maybe who you see on the news and so forth. But the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so he looks and says, okay, how are you going to get out of this? The only way of being able to go to heaven is by receiving Jesus Christ in your life. That revelation. And so the Bible is talking about here two words, obviously the Logos word and all, and not many of you know this particular scripture, I'm sure may, maybe all of you do, but certainly is that <clears throat> to know God is more than just intellectually knowing Him. Knowing God and tapping into His wisdom does not come through reasoning power. We can't reason God into our lives. There has to be an act of surrender, an act of, of, of just believing and, and bowing your heart in his presence and saying, Lord, I need you. We've heard that testimony today. 
and I can't make it without you. And so it's revealing in your heart here. And he reveals himself to us spirit to spirit. So we see here, he says prepared for us and and what he's got prepared. Let me tell you, what God has prepared for you and me is beyond our understanding. Now, when I've been taught throughout, and maybe what I believed anyway, maybe I haven't been taught this, but that that preparation of those good, that stuff is in heaven, right? And you thought that. Oh, God's got great things stored up for me in heaven. And he does, obviously, you're a Christian. You're his child, you're his son or daughter. <clears throat> but I believe that that preparation and all of what God wants to give us is here and set before us now. Because you see, when you accepted Christ, you have learned, you've already received eternal life. You're in that realm of eternal life now. You've already been saved. You're already obviously seated with Christ in the heavenlies. You've already, when you receive. So he's saying what he has prepared for you and for me begins at the moment that we're saved. Isn't that great? Not just when we get to heaven. He has great, great blessings for us here on this earth. So what is it that you need in this place today? I want to tell you, it's God has the solution, okay? God has the solution. The Bible says by his stripes that we were healed. Past tense, we were healed. What is it that you need today? Do you need a job? Obviously, God knows it. Do you need uh, whatever it may be? God has the solution. Now, there's a theological term. It's called prevenient grace. And what that means is God's grace is available for, to you right now, which is grace is the grace that saves you because we can't earn our salvation. You can't do good works to make God obviously have favor on you. It's done through his son Jesus, and he gives us Christ, and we receive him, and we have his righteousness within us, okay? And so he's saying today that obviously uh, that provenient grace is not only uh, available today, but it's also available tomorrow. In other words, God knows what you're going to go through tomorrow. God knows what you're going to go through next weekend. God knows what you're going to do in every moment, in every time, in the future that you have. And he gives you grace or the ability to go through what you're going to face in life, the strength, power, whatever it may be. He will provide in that sense. He gives you the grace needed, and you can't do a thing to earn it. He's already out front. Isn't that good news? You are not alone in this walk, in this world, because many times it, gets, it seems to get lonely. But you're not alone. It says, I have not seen nor ear heard what God has prepared for those who obviously who love him. That's so great. And it begins at the time that you're saved, because at that time that you're saved, you step to, really simply put, you step into eternal life at that point. Not when you just take your last breath. You're already there. God knew you before the foundations of the world were set in place. Do you think about that? Eternity past, you look back. He knew Jim Barcliffe. He knew me. He knew when I would be born, obviously allowed it to happen at the time when I was born. He has a purpose and a plan for my life throughout the time. He knows that time. 
He knows it, and he knew it before the world was set into motion. Isn't that great? He knows every hair on your head, everyone, obviously, that falls to the ground. He knows every bird that falls to the ground. He knows everything about you, and he loves us, and it's not because of us. It's nothing we can do to earn his love. He just started this thing, sending Jesus into the world. And all we do is believe and receive, trust Him, have confidence in Him. The wonderful thing I have not seen. We just can't imagine how great He is. Now, I, I love the stuff, okay? <laughs> I, I try not, to, obviously, uh, in that sense, to fall into materialism and let that be a bondage in my life, and I do. But let me tell you what I really love, and that is the Lord, and I love His presence, and I love God, to be able to see him doing things in my life and, and to see him doing things in other people's lives. And when people receive Christ and, and, and all that, let me tell you, seeing these uh, young people coming up here today, that blessed my heart. Did it bless yours? Hallelujah. I think we've testified to that. So those things, what he's prepared for us. You know, and we don't give up. Obviously, we'll see the things that God reveals to us. But the main thing is, is that we don't give up. We're on a path. And God Almighty is, is, is walking with us, sitting in, and kind of like you, you're going through a, a patch of thick weeds and somebody uh, is out in front of you and he's got a machete and he's clearing away. He's swinging back and forth, and he's clearing the way, and you're following him behind him. That's what God is doing for you and me this day. And we have the adversary that comes along and says, well, you know, God has left you. He's, he, he's, he's forsaken you. And so he says, believe, trust him, what God has prepared. Isn't that that's good news? Now, he goes on to say here, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can they know him. The natural man, let me explain to you what a carnal Christian is. A carnal Christian is a Christian, and they're going to heaven. But a carnal Christian trusts in the, their five senses, you know, their taste, their smell, their hearing, and all. They depend upon their rational way of trying to figure things out. And faith is what pleases God. And they're not walking by believing God. You've got to believe God. Because when all looks like there is no way out of this situation, that there's no, nothing that you can do and it, you can't see it and, and you become panicked and you become obviously afraid and all these types of things. And God is always there saying to trust me, to lean on me, to pray to me. And watch those mountains fall in the presence of the Lord. Watch those obstacles be removed in that. Or he'll give you the strength to go over them, it may be. Whatever it may be, God has prepared a way for you and for me. Wonderful blessing. We do that. And, and also what he does is that he, he begins to give, he speaks to our hearts. Get into the word of God. And let God speak to you. You know, you've sometimes read the Word of God and, and you've read this, this particular section or, or maybe you've read it a couple times. And the second time that you read it, so to speak, it's like, man, this is for me. It quickens your heart. That is the rhema Word of God. God is saying, I'm getting ready to do something here. 
So the, this process that God normally uses to bring His provision in our lives is recognize that God has already provided the answer before the problem ever occurred in your life. And then He provides whatever it may be in our lives as the solution. Believe it. God already knows. Do you think God doesn't know about it? Sometimes we pray and we go, Lord, I got to tell you about this problem. Nothing wrong with that. But believe that God is going to provide the solution. Let me give you the example of a Rima Word of God, reveal Word of God. When I, I was a pastor, I called in the midlife to be a minister. I was working, uh, of course, different, uh, manufacturing jobs and so forth and all, and management way up in the corporate ladder. Called in the ministry and planted a church, a friend's church, on the west side of Houston. And we were meeting in an elementary school for about four years. And, and uh, just not a lot of money came into uh, as far as our account and so forth. There were people who had not been in church before, and uh, we were teaching them, and I was trying to disciple them in the ways of the Lord. And a lady came up to me one Sunday and said, Jim, uh, there's a strip center down the way here. And um, she said, uh, and you know what a strip center is, kind of like where a shopping center is and so forth. And she said, I, I believe we need, God may give that to us. And I went, do you know, I thought to myself, do you know how much money or lack of money we have in our bank account? That particular uh, facility is probably worth about $300,000. And, um, and so I, I went on, she goes, but I think we need to pray about it. And I said, okay. So I haphazardly put it before the Lord, as I could say it that way. And um, I, I started feeling and moving in my spirit to go by and ask the guy to show it to me. And so I, I, he met me up there at the strip center. And I was telling the Lord all the way, I said, Lord, ain't no way we can get this strip center. So I, uh, I don't know whether y'all have heard this story before, but um, and this is a ream of word of God. This is revelation. And so he came up and I opened it up. The minute I walked into the, the room where he had opened the door, he was messing with the key. I had in my mind's eye started flashing a number, a figure, a dollar figure that was flashing like a neon sign in my light. And my eyes were open, but it was flashing. And then it went away. I saw the figure and I saw the number and it was a dollar figure. And I said, oh. So I immediately thought, Lord, what does that mean? And so we left and I started praying about it. And I felt like the Lord wanted to give us the strip center. And it was worth between $250,000 and $300,000. And so uh, I uh, prayed about it, and I had the church praying about it. And I had the church praying, and I wanted them to learn to hear God speak to them through His Word and by that still, small voice. And uh, so I put it before the church, and I said, I want y'all, I think the Lord may be wanting to give us this. Can y'all pray about it? And then we'll come together and see what God says. So I did. They came together one night, and uh, they came, and they all gave me, wrote down the number of how much dollar figure that we they wanted. To, we felt like they heard God saying, and all. None of them were the figure that uh, that I had seen there walking into the building. And so I really struggled, and I said, Lord, what do I do with this? I'm trying to teach them how to hear from you, be led by your Spirit. And I said, they're not getting the figure and all. And I felt like the Lord said, 
don't worry about it. Take the figure that they come up with. And so I did. And so I took, gave them the figure, which was obviously a little bit higher than the figure I had seen there. But I said, Lord, I'm going to trust you because I want to bless the congregation. I want them to bless. I want them to learn. This is an exercise to listen and, and hear God, okay? So I submitted it to the guy. He called me a couple of days later, and he said, Jim, I don't believe this. I remember him saying this. I don't believe it. And you may not believe it either, but y'all got the strip center. Your bed did. And I went, well, praise the Lord. So what we did was we got in there and fixed up Sunday school rooms and fixed the sanctuary and so forth, and it was much longer. We only used half the space because we didn't need all of it, okay? So I didn't know what to do with that figure that was flashing in my mind. And so several weeks later, the pianist who uh, we had, she came in and she said, Jim, I've got to tell you this. I don't know what it means because nobody knew this figure. I don't know whether even if I told Cindy, but no one knew this but me and the Lord. Maybe Cindy did, but and all. nobody in the congregation. And the lady came in and she said, I've got to tell you this because she said, the Lord is, I believe, speaking to me, and I have no idea what it means, but I've got to tell you, I can't, I can't not stop telling you. I've got to tell you. And she said the number that I had seen, the dollar figure, exactly what I had seen there on that neon sign in my eyes. And I went, oh, my goodness. I knew nobody had seen that number, and no one knew that particular figure except for me. Now, I put it before the Lord and continued to say, God said, probably I, we could have gotten it for that figure. But I honored because I wanted the congregation to learn to hear from the Lord, and I put it in their laps. I said, I want you to do it. But God said, you heard right, basically. You heard me. So I say today, you know, God speaks when he wants to speak. He gives us that rhema. It's God. It's his providence. It is his sovereignty, and he speaks. And, but what we've got to do is to be prepared to receive what God's saying because God is still speaking today. And if we'll open our hearts to him, we'll realize and understand that God is saying, and yes, I'll read a couple of scriptures here, Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word, or the word of God there means the rhema word the revelation, the rev revealed word of God there to our hearts there. And so we see, you remember when God spoke specifically to Mary about her conception of Jesus, remember? In Luke chapter 1, it says literally, it says every word of God shall not be powerless. And that's Isaiah 55 also here. And when the Rema word comes, the power built in the seed is there for its fulfillment. In other words, when you receive what God, I want you to learn to hear from God because when you hear by faith the Word of God, the Rema Word of God, it will push you out to do what God's called you to do. And we're in a time, and we always are, but we're specifically in a time today where God is looking for people who will be obedient no matter what the cost is. No matter where he tells you to go and no matter what he tells you to say, he's looking for people to do that. And when he does that, that rhema word of God, that reveal word of God will initiate, push faith in your heart to where you've got to do what God has told you to do.
Now, that's good news. That's God doing these things here. Now, a couple of examples again here. Certainly, in John chapter 3, remember, the Rima word that came to John the Baptist in the wilderness. And in the confidence of that word that he heard, in obedience to that word, John went in the region around Jordan and preached the baptism of repentance. Remember in John chapter 9, Jesus saw a man who had been blind from birth, and he spat on the ground, he spit on the ground, and made clay with the saliva, rubbed the clay in the man's eyes, and gave him a rhema word. He said this, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And the man obeyed and came back seeing. The manifestation of his healing did not come until he had taken the action that the Lord told him to do. So God is looking for people that will believe him, who have faith, who will step out. And when you hear that word from the Lord, step out. Begin to step out in these things. Knowing that word will propel you forward. God will provide. I have not seen nor ear heard what God has prepared for those who love him. We have no idea. I believe that we are on the, obviously, the, the precipice of something so big happening. And let me share with you, and I'll close with this. Last week, I have felt in the last few months real strong that we are to uh, at least allow freedom, come in and freedom to worship God. I told you last week, I'm not telling you how to worship. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you to study the Word of God and then obey what God tells you to do when we come in. I am convicted completely that this place here is a place of celebration when we come in corporate worship on Sundays and any other time for that matter, a celebration. I mentioned that I've talked to you over the years about my dilemma. My dilemma was when back in 19, about 85, 84, 83, that I was reading in the book of Acts. And I looked and I saw people being healed, people being delivered, people being filled with the Spirit, people in love with Jesus, and the power of God was moving. And I was sitting there in the dilemma in Pearland in my living room one morning, and I asked the Lord, I said, why don't we see these things happening anymore, Lord? Why is the book of Acts completely something we don't see? And I heard the Spirit of God speak to me. I'll never forget it because he said, I'm the same as I've always been. I still heal today just like I've always healed. And I heard it, and I'll never forget it, and it changed my life. The Rima Word of God. The other dilemma or tension that I've always felt when I studied the Word was, when you look at the Psalms, it's a, it's a time of celebration. I mean, you're talking about shouting to the Lord, lifting up holy hands, clapping in the sanctuary, and all these things happening when we come together in corporate worship. And I thought, I want to, I want to be, always be a part of that. But I know I was raised in a tradition and so forth that none of this that I was certainly, um, it, it was just a struggle to do anything different and so forth. I'm a creature of habit, to be honest with you. And I don't like change at all. But I saw this and I said, why is that? And so I've always said, I want to express myself before the Lord in worship whatever way that may be, appropriately, biblically, looking at Scripture, okay? So over the last few months, God has convicted me. He goes, this, this is a time of celebration, a time where we come together 
and we celebrate a time of freedom here, just like Christ has set us free. And so I want people, and I mentioned last week, that people come in here and feel free to worship. No one's looking at you. No one's saying, you're worshiping this way, so there we're, we're going to look down on you. Or maybe this one looking over this way, looking. We're not here to look at other people to begin with. We're here to honor and worship God. We don't look and look at what other people are doing and so forth, okay? So last Saturday night, Cindy and I and our family was coming from a place. We were celebrating our 45th wedding anniversary. And we were coming home. And I was sitting in the very back seat, and I was just talking to the Lord, worshiping the Lord back there. And the family, we were talking, and I was in and out of conversation. And the Lord, I believe, and I do not presume on hearing the Word of God. I only do. I bring it back to Him. And I do get confirmation. But the Lord spoke to me two words, and that was it. And I heard it so clear. I almost came out of my seat. And that is David's tabernacle is what I heard. And I went, David's tabernacle? And so when we got home, I, I had not heard or given any thought to David's tabernacle in probably 30 years. And so I went home and I began to just research. And what is it about? And you remember in 2 Samuel chapter 6 and 1 Chronicles uh, 15 or 16. Remember what happened when, when uh, David brought the ark back into Jerusalem and set up his tabernacle. And he put the ark in his tabernacle. And remember, people could come freely and worship. And they were singing. And actually, many believe that there were many more instruments that were introduced at this particular time. And there was a celebration, remember? And David danced before the ark, actually, when it was being brought in, into Jerusalem. And it was a time of celebration. David's tabernacle was put up there. Now, what's the significance here? The significance is, is obvious, obviously, when you look at the tabernacle of Moses, you had the outer court, and then you had the Holy of Holies, and then you had the most holy place. And only the priest could go in the most holy place, and he had to be obviously confessed up, or God would strike him down dead. And it was a ritualistic system of the slaughtering of animals there for the forgiveness of sins, symbolic of Jesus, obviously, okay? David's tabernacle, all there was was the presence of the Lord. And anybody could walk in and worship. And they worshiped and praised God 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Right down the road was a ritualistic system in the tabernacle of Moses. What was the difference? You remember, David was a man after God's own heart. You remember, Saul was not a man after God's own heart. David worshipped. I believe what God is doing, and I don't know the fullness of this, and when God reveals something to us many times, He doesn't just explain and give you a kind of write a book for you. 
He'll normally give you something. And what he does when he does that is that he puts it before you to see whether or not you'll pray about it because you see the whole thing is built on relationship. He wants a relationship with Jim Barcliff. And he wants a relationship with you and me. David's tabernacle, there was freedom. And they sang and they worshiped. I believe that many of the Psalms were written during that time that they were singing a new song. And the scribes were there in the tent writing the Psalms down during that time and recording because most of them are songs of praise. They were being sung to the Lord in, in David's tabernacle. Now, I believe that a couple things. Number one, because in Acts chapter 15, it talks about David's tabernacle being rebuilt. I'll read it to you. James is talking at the council of Jerusalem because they're having trouble because the Jews want the Gentiles to to have circumcision. In other words, except Jesus, yes. But they also want to add in saying you must be circumcised if you're a believer in Jesus. And James is trying, they're trying to correct it because the the Judaizers were coming in and saying you got to do this and you got to do that. Let me tell you right now, I want to tell you, it is Jesus plus nothing minus nothing. There's nothing you can do to earn your salvation. There's nothing that you can do, plus nothing, minus nothing. You receive Jesus. If you've received Jesus Christ today in in this place, you're headed to heaven, okay? Now, he says in chapter 15, he says, After this I'll return and I'll rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up, that the rest of men may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all those things. Known to God are all his works since the beginning of the world. Many believe that the tabernacle of David actually was when the Gentiles, the church. Now, the Gentiles, we're Gentiles, we're not Jews. And the church was built. But I believe in all the things that I've looked at and so forth, that there's a prophetic meaning. How are we going to worship the Lord in the millennial reign? What do you think? How are you going to do it in the millennial reign? What's going to happen in the millennial reign? The Bible says in Revelation that they're singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And they're continuously doing it 10,000 times 10,000 without any type of limit as far as numbers. Praising God. I believe what he's saying is is that he's rebuilding the tabernacle of David. Not a tent but in the hearts of his people. I believe what God is doing is he is, and I've always told you because I'm I'm convicted of this, is he's looking for people that will worship him in spirit and in truth. And he's looking for worshipers who are after God's own heart the same way David was. And David wasn't perfect. David sinned, and David obviously uh, killed Bathsheba's husband and, 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 all, and committed adultery. He sinned, but he was, the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. About 1987, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, 
I want to be a man after God's own heart. I don't care what it takes. I don't care what you do with me. I don't care what it means. I want to be a man after God's own heart. And we just sang a song. I want to dance. I want to praise God. I want to sing. I want to pray like David prayed and sang. That tabernacle, I believe, is being built again prophetically in the hearts of his children. And I'm talking about not just in corporate worship, and I'm not talking about necessarily that it means that, hey, we got to put banners here and there and so forth or doing anything like that. But I am saying this is, I want to just say there is freedom to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when you leave this place, because we're only in here a couple hours, get along with the Lord and let him start working that tabernacle, that, that place of praise and worship, a place where you can pray, because I believe that we'll see revival released as a result. The other thing that I believe we'll see, there'll be an evangelistic explosion throughout the United States of America. God inhabits the praises of his people. David knew he was a man after God's own heart. He had flaws, obviously. But he honored him. He didn't come in and say, okay, you know, you got to get this in this tent and so forth. He allowed David the freedom to put who he there. David put his own priest there also, which is unheard of. These things are unheard of. David just did it, and God allowed it. Why? It's because David wanted to worship the God, the Lord, I believe, in spirit and in truth. There's a revival taking place in Indonesia, a place you'd never think it would be. Heard stories about what's happening there because there's a prayer movement there. There's a prayer movement all around the world that is, they're praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They're praying that God would do this. I don't know when Jesus is coming. I've always said that. I'm just saying he's preparing for us, prepared. He is preparing each one of us to be what he's called us to do, to move in our, to, into our destiny, the fullness of our destiny. And that's all I desire. All I desire is to please God. That's it. I don't always do it right, certainly. But that's my heart. And I believe it's your heart too. I believe it's your heart. Do you want to understand the fullness of what God will do through this rebuilding in our hearts and in the church and so forth prophetically? No, I don't. As God shows me more, we'll share and we'll teach and preach on it and so forth. Until then, allow God to be God because God is looking and wanting worshipers. He's raising up a generation of worshipers who are after his own heart. That is the main thing he's doing. And what will happen is, is that even in the worst of times when we face catastrophes in our life, we'll be able to go through it and thank and praise God. But you know what we've got to do? We've got to choose to receive, choose to believe, choose to desire God above the things of the world and, and ask him to remove those things that are not like Jesus in our hearts because otherwise those things kind of crowd out the things of God, right? But if you're wanting God and his fullness and what he's doing today, I believe it's there for the asking to open your heart.
You know what I do when I, before I, I come up here, I do this. I submit myself to the Lord. And I do that on a regular basis. And I submit my mind, I submit my tongue to Him that I'd only speak the things of God that are truth. I don't want to be in error about anything. But I want to speak what God has me to speak. Some things are happening that I've already been stretched, okay? But they're of the Lord. They're of God. If you want that to happen, just, I want you, if you would, bow your head. Thank you. Thank you for your attention today. God is uh, speaking to us in this church. The opportunity to, to serve people, the opportunity to, to step out of our comfort zones and, and, and just be touched by God's power and grace. I believe our God is already there working it out. So whatever the issue is today, I have not seen nor ear heard what God has prepared for those who love Him. We can't imagine. It's not when we just get to heaven. It's going to be great in heaven. But I believe we've already stepped into that eternal realm because when we accepted Christ, that we stepped in it. The Bible already says we're seated with Christ. And so believe God for these things, that God would work these things and, and put a, a spirit of praise and worship in you like never before, a spirit of prayer spirit of prayer, Lord, we ask you to release that in this, in this congregation that we can pray without ceasing. And we'll give you praise. We'll give you the glory. Whatever decision you've made for the Lord today, it's very important to know God heard it. Thank you. Because he's listening. And he just wants people to believe him. Do we understand all of it? No, I'm not a theologian. I'm a simple man. But God doesn't make it complicated. He, he makes it simple for people like me. But God still speaks today. Just open your heart, and when he's ready, all we do is we prepare our hearts to receive the seed, the rhema word of God. And when that happens, it will spur you and me to do whatever God's called us to do. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence in this place today. You're so awesome, Lord. You're worthy of our praise and worship. And we pray today, dear God, that you would, Lord, not stop. We pray we wouldn't do anything to put the fire of the Spirit out. In fact, Lord, we ask you to even rekindle it more and more in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.